Welcome to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillian Newbell. I hope it has been a wonderful and refreshing season. But here's what I do know. There is a lot of negativity we see in news and in social media. And to add to all of that, (laughs) there's pressures of family needs and work commitments. It can all add to and lead to deep anxiety. It's easy for me to throw out words like trust God. Have you ever heard someone say trust God? And it's kind of, it's, it's become kind of like that catchphrase, trust God. I believe it deeply. I believe we need to trust God, but we often need just a little bit more help to get there. We need to trust God. We need help to get there. That's why I am excited about my guest today, Becky Harling. If you need help leaning evermore into God for his extraordinary presence, peace, and power in our lives, then this show is for you. And if you did not realize it, we all need help in this area. We all need help to um, lean into God's presence and his peace and his power. So Becky Harling has a degree in biblical literature and is a sought-after speaker and Bible teacher at women's conferences and retreats. Her life experiences as a pastor's wife, parent of four adult children, grandmother of five grandchildren, women's ministry director, a survivor of breast cancer and sexual abuse, bring depth to her message. Becky is a gifted communicator with a passion for helping women find hope, healing, freedom, and ultimately life transformation through Jesus Christ. I am so glad to have you, Becky. Hey, it's a joy to be with you, Trillia. Well, I love to hear testimonies. And so before we start getting into the conversation about anxiety, I think one of the sweetest ways that we get to know people is through how they got to know the Lord. So would you share your testimony with us? Sure, sure. So um, I actually met the Lord Jesus Christ when I was three years old. I was at a Bible conference And they gave the plan of salvation. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I wanted Jesus in my life. And really from that moment on, Trillia, I was only three, but Jesus became my very best friend. And I just Mm. remember the entire time I was growing up talking with him all the time. I, I think that's just so incredibly sweet. I know that there are so many different stories and testimonies. And when you hear of a child who just loves the Lord at an early age, it it brings me joy. You know, I just wrote a kid's book called Jesus and the Gift of Friendship, and it's for three-year-olds. And (laughs) that brings me a lot of hope that that a three-year-old might latch on and be like, wait a minute, Jesus can't be my friend. Jesus is my friend. Um, And so that's such a beautiful testimony. And and so to add to that, how has, because three years old is very young, so how has the Lord kept you? I mean, obviously, I know his keeping power, his covenant love. I guess the question would be, did people come alongside you throughout the years to help you engage with his word, to help remind you of who he is? How have you been sustained besides the clear answer, God's grace? Yeah. So that is an interesting question for me because I was raised in a ministry home. However, 
it was also an abusive home. So while mm. my father was speaking Jesus on Sunday, he was, you know, sexually, physically, and emotionally abusive in the home. And so really from a human perspective, first of all, I shouldn't be saying her alive, but second of all, I should not have had this deep trust in Jesus, but I did. And so even when life was really, really hard as a little girl, I would reach out to Jesus and I just would talk to him all the time. I don't know how else to explain it. You know, I think other kids at three years old had an imaginary friend. Well, I had a real friend and his name yeah. was Jesus. And as I talked with him, the Holy Spirit just strengthened my faith all along the way. I, I just love that. That's amazing. So the Lord is just with you and has guided you. But um, so you wrote a book and we want to talk about the, your book on anxiety. And you have said that learning to be intentional about praising God radically changed your life. And it, you, we've been talking about your testimony and it seems like you've been leaning there for your whole life. But how how does how did that like learning to be intentional about praising God change your life? It, it really changed everything, Trillia, because at the time I learned this practice, I everything in my life was falling apart. You know, I had just come through cancer. Um, mm. My husband's ministry was going through a really significant struggle. We had just gone through a move across the country. On top of that, I was finally dealing as an adult with the abuse from my childhood that I had basically spent a lot of my lifetime running from. And a, a mentor challenged me when I was first diagnosed with breast cancer. She said, you know, before you even open the word of God, because I was disciplined. I read through the Bible every year. I memorized. She said, before you even open the word of God, I want you to spend 20 minutes a day praising God. And at the time I thought, well, this is ridiculous. I hardly feel like jumping up and down saying, hallelujah, I have cancer, you know, mm. but she said, I'm not asking you to praise God for cancer. I'm asking you to praise God for who he is above the cancer. And so mm. as I took her challenge and began my early morning times with Jesus on my knees, listening to worship music, allowing the worship music to prompt my praise, there were many things that happened. For starters, fear was quieted. For seconders, the presence of God came close. Now, I want to be clear here, Trillia, because God's presence is always with us. However, as I praised God intentionally, the Holy Spirit allowed me to experience a more tangible sense of the Lord's presence. I mean, it was like he was so close. He was there with me and I could sense that, you know, and mm. he quieted fear and he calmed my anxiety, which was a huge problem for me. Mm. Well, it reminds me of the um, scripture that God is an ever present help in our time of need. I mean, he's, he is ever present. So for you to experience that where you were praying and you sensed that the Lord was near, he says, draw near to him. And, and you, you sense that I think is completely um, biblical and it makes sense that the Lord would be so kind. And I know that for some people, they don't 
feel that, but we can still know that it's true. So we don't have to feel it to know that it's true, that the Lord is near the brokenhearted and those who are having a, just a hard time in general. And so, um, but that's great. So how does it look? You you said that it doesn't, you weren't going to jump up and down and praise him, but what did you do? Like, how does that actually play out in, in praising God in the midst of suffering? So it's actually like 23 years later now since I've been making this my practice. And I still practice this, Trillia. Um, it has become just a wonderful part of my time with Jesus every morning. So I get up early, I grab coffee, because <laughs> coffee's essential for me. <laughs> and I get on my knees early in the morning. And I for starters, I want to say, if you're able physically to get on your knees, get on your knees, because it's a reminder of your position before our holy God. And so I get on my knees, I put my AirPods in, and I listen to praise music on my phone. But I don't just listen and space out. I allow the music to prompt my praise. And sometimes I'm praising through the I am statement. Sometimes I am praising God for what he's done recently. Sometimes I'm praising God for all the healing he's brought in my life. But as I praise him for who he is and what he has done in my life, it, 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 you, your spirit, my spirit is more awakened to his love. I, I can't describe it any other way. And I would just challenge your listeners, try it. See, yes. See if it doesn't work for you as well, because you cannot praise God and not be changed along the way. It's just not possible. I believe that is so, so true. And, and it's, um, it, you're not always going to feel like it. And so I want us to dive into that because you know, one of the things that you said that I was really glad that you said is that you can praise him for who he is and you, not just what he has done, right? Because if you're in the midst of suffering, you might, you might miss all the grace that you have in your life. Um, but you can always praise God for who he is. And so I, and I love that you talked about the I am statements. I sometimes pray the scriptures, um, but I love the idea of praising God for um, he, he's the the good shepherd, the, the bread of life, those kinds of statements that you could just say and, and thank God for he, that he is, he is, um, he is always with us. There's just so many things that you could say. So I love that. I love that. And, but let's talk about when you don't feel like it. What do you do when your feelings don't, you, you, you get up that morning and you're like, okay, I know Becky's told me <laughs> I need to praise him, but I feel like so sorrowful or I want to crawl in bed and watch Netflix or whatever it is that you're dealing with. How do you get your, your, um, how do you go there when your, your feelings aren't matching? You know, it's a choice. I remember, um, when my husband and I were traveling and we were in a very dark area of the world, a place where Jesus is not known. And we were actually in a place that, um, could hold a lot of danger for us. And I remember waking up one morning and it was 
freezing cold. I mean, the uh, power had gone out, the electricity had gone out, and everything in me, I just wanted to stay in bed because I was so cold. And I thought, oh, I don't feel like praising God. I just want to go home. But I got down on my knees and I, you know, I didn't need electricity for my music to work on my phone. And that is helpful right. for me. And I just praised God for who he was, that even though we were in this very dark place in the world, he was there. Amen. The Lord is with us even in the dark places. More with Becky when we return. Welcome back to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell, and we've been talking with Becky Harling about anxiety and how we can not deal with it. That's not the the best way to explain it, but how we can bring it to the Lord and what we do with it. And um, and when before the break, we were talking about praising the Lord and how we can come to Him when we don't feel like it. And and I want you to finish your thought because I have a feeling you had more to say because I think that is something that a lot of people, that it, it goes beyond anxiety. It could be just you get up and you don't feel like going to church. I mean, I think this kind of issue is, is one that we all deal with at some point. So I'd love you to t- talk more about how the Lord helped you um, praise when it was hard to. Yeah, I I don't think that there's a formula, Trillia. I think it's a choice we make in our heads. And I, I think what helped me is I knew how I had experienced the presence of the Lord when I was walking through breast cancer. Once I had tasted of the joy of being in God's presence, and I mean, fully entering in, um, then I knew that I could get, I could experience that again. So when life was hard, and it has been hard along the way, I know that God always invites me to come to that deep place with him where I can experience the joy of his presence, even when life is terrible or difficult. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a choice. And I think so much of our love, our or situation it's just a choice we ha- we can choose to um but there is their their feelings are real and so to the person who's listening your feelings aren't discounted and we we're actually going to I I would love to to dive into some of the things that you experienced you were pretty authentic about the struggle you had with anxiety and about feeling guilty for being anxious and so for the person listening who might hear you and it sounds like you've just been so full of faith it it would i think it would be helpful to hear about that time when you were struggling with anxiety and how um the psalmist helped you in that journey yeah so first of all i anxiety has been my struggle since i was a very little girl i mean it was firmly rooted in the trauma i experienced as a little girl and then there were probably some biological factors in that as well and and yet growing up i grew up in a in a 
part of Christianity that was very fundamentalistic. And so I heard so many messages about how worry was a sin or anxiety was a sin. And that really didn't help me, Trillia, because then I started to worry that I was sinning. And I knew I wanted to please God. I knew I wanted to stop worrying. I just didn't know how. And yeah. so it wasn't until I became best friends with the psalmist, you know, as I was reading through the Psalms, I was like, oh, wow, these guys get me. I mean, in mm. Psalm 94, 19, the psalmist says, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. And the psalmist became my best friends because they were authentic and real. They weren't just yeah. preaching at me saying, stop worrying, because that didn't help me any, you know? And yeah, so absolutely. I had to learn some, you know, some, uh, methods that would work for me to calm the anxiety. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that as Christians, there can be this false idea that we can just stop worrying and being anxious. Some might say, aren't we supposed to just stop? <laughs> I think that's something that I commonly hear is like, don't be anxious because I don't think it's no, any longer taboo. It, I think it used to be taboo. I think now, because we are more aware of mental health issues and just aware of the various struggles that we have, it's no longer something that's taboo. But I do think that when we can put pressure on ourselves to feel like, oh, well, we, we know Jesus. Shouldn't we not? worry. So I'd love to hear what were those methods? What were some of the methods that you applied to help yourself um, stop worrying? Yeah. So for starters, I had to silence the voice of the enemy in my life because the enemy loves nothing more than to throw guilt and shame at us, right? So when we're anxious or feeling fearful, then, you know, the enemy starts with his blah, blah, blah. You know, you shouldn't be feeling that way. And then in addition to that, Trillia, I had to silence my own inner critic, you know, because I think nothing separates us from the love of God except our own self-critic, you know, and I, right. I, it's not that God moves. It's that we don't feel his presence when we're like, oh, I blew it again. And we're going on and on and on and on and on. I don't think that's what God wants us to do. And so when we're feeling anxious, I have learned to be gut level honest with Jesus. Jesus, I am feeling afraid. I am feeling worried about the future. I open my hands. I give you these fears and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would calm my anxiety with your presence. And then on top of learning how to praise God, very authentically, Trillia, I have learned the power of exercise. <laughs> and I think I wrote yeah. about this somewhere in the book in the back, because I know that even to this day, anxiety is going to be something that I can easily go to. So when deadlines are piling up, when I feel pressure of keeping up with all that I have going on, I know I got to hit the gym, you know, and I've got to pound it out on the treadmill and that helps me, you know? And so we have to know that we are body, soul, and spirit. And that when we 
take care of our bodies. We get enough rest. We eat properly. We get exercise. In addition to that, we're taking care of our souls by worshiping Jesus and we're memorizing verses with our minds. Then we're more able to calm that anxiety that rises up within us. You know, I, I just love that. I, I'm not going to quote the scripture, right? But Paul, he's, he uses exercises and running the race in various metaphors a lot. And, but in one text, it says that something like um, exercise is of some benefit, where, of course, spiritual benefit is of complete benefit or something like that. It's not that's terrible. I just butchered that text. But I love that there it the highlight isn't that exercise isn't beneficial <laughs> it is beneficial and so it's it's interesting to me that you were able to um that that's part of what the lord has used to yeah. to you know what i mean so i i don't know it's just fascinating to me so so can you lean into that a little bit more like how did you discover was it just kind of a awareness like oh this when i am upset or i need to go outside just on awareness or did someone coach you to tell you hey this is a part of holistically caring for your anxiety you know i i had um a therapist that i worked with for a number of years because again the trauma from my childhood was horrific And I had to deal with that. You know, I couldn't just say, oh, I'm supposed to be happy in Jesus and I need to get over my past. I couldn't get over my past without looking at my past and recognizing how hard it was. So I started there. I also had a godly mentor who was about 15 years older than me, who walked alongside of me during that time. I also made regular doctor visits and my doctor advised me. So we are, again, that whole um, spirit, soul, and body. And so I want to speak just for a second, if I might, Trillia, to your listeners, specifically the ones who are dealing with anxiety. You know, anxiety is a real thing. And research tells us that it's at an all-time high right now. And if you're watching the news every night and you're watching world events, you're probably more anxious than ever. And, And so be wise, visit with your doctor, find out best practices, do ex, you know, definitely take exercise seriously, begin praising God every day, uh, make sure you're getting enough rest, eat properly because sugar and a lot of caffeine can really raise our anxiety. And so we have to be wise because that's what Jesus has for us. Um, so the text that I was referring to is First Timothy 4, 8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promises for both the present life and the life to come. And so physical training is of some value. And I think that that's something that we want to remember. Of course, our ultimate goal is to grow more and more like Jesus. And so I I think I can't emphasize that enough, but um, I think that's emphasized a lot. And we forget that this part of the, the, um, journey is is to care for our bodies as well. And one of the things that you also brought up that I want to highlight is that you haven't done this alone. You've just talked about doctors and phys, um, 
therapists and uh, all these different people who were engaged in this journey with you. So we we I'd like to hear more about how that um has affected your your walk. Thanks, Trillia. You know, I have a dear friend. We have been praying together for over 30 years. Um, we have lived in different parts of the mm. country at different times. I have another friend that I've been friends with for 23 years. We live in different parts of the country. However, I know that if I'm waking up and things are hard or I'm feeling anxious, I can immediately text this friend and she will text back immediately and we are praying for each other. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because just this past week, uh, one of my little grandsons, and by the way, we now have 14 grandchildren, not five, but anyway, uh, one of my little oh. grandsons, yeah, was really sick, like vomiting, vomiting, vomiting. And it was a risk that they were going to have to take him to the emergency room. And I immediately texted this friend, another friend, another friend. I have a bunch of friends who I know are prayer warriors. Immediately they started praying and immediately the vomiting slowed down. And I felt my body relaxed because I'm like, the Lord has this, you know, and I am surrounded by community. You know, we were never meant to do the journey alone, Trillia. We were meant and designed in God's image. And when you think about it within the Trinity, there's God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, and they live and work in sync together in eternal fellowship. We were designed and created in God's image. And so we are not meant to walk the journey alone alone. And so we need to lean into our community. One of the, um, one of my favorite passages in scripture is John 11, where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. After he raises him from the dead, he turns to the crowd and says, help him take off his grave clothes. More when we return. So encouraging. Welcome back to Living by Faith. I am Trillia Newbell, your host, and we have been talking about anxiety and different methods for um, coping with, dealing with anxiety. And one of the things that Becky, my guest, was talking about was how um, she's had a army of people to help her and a prayer warrior friend. And you were talking about a specific text. Would you say that again? Because I can't remember the text. It was John, I believe. Go ahead. Sure. It was John 11, Trillia, where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And what is fascinating to me in that story is that Jesus then, after he's raised Lazarus from the dead, he turns to the crowd and he says, help him take off his grave clothes. Now, surely Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who just raised somebody from the dead, could have taken Lazarus' grave clothes off. Instead, Jesus invites Lazarus' community to help him take off his grave clothes. And I just love that because each of us in different points in our lives have grave clothes on and we need each other to help us take off our grave clothes. Mm. Well, let's explain that a little bit more. When you say grave clothes, because obviously I would love for the audience who maybe isn't very familiar with their Bible um, to know exactly what you mean. So explain that. Go a little deeper. 
Yeah. So the grave clothes at Lazarus time, he probably was wound in a lot of sheets or strips of cloth that would prepare him for his burial. And so the crowd had to help take those off of him. In your life and in mine, we have grave clothes in the, in the fact that we have taken on messages in our lives that perhaps are not true. You know, for me, because of the abuse I experienced as a child, those messages were shame and fear and anxiety. And I needed other people to help me remove those from my life, to stand in the strength of knowing who Jesus was and the truth that Jesus came to set me free. In your life, it might be grave clothes of depression or fear or anything else, but you need your community to help you become more and more like Jesus. Hmm. And for those of you who might be listening and thinking, I feel alone, often that's also a lie that keeps you from being open and honest. This idea that no one is experiencing this or no one can understand. I think when we open ourselves up, we're really surprised by how many people do get it, do understand, do know. Um, One of the things I experienced, Becky, I've had four miscarriages and I remember did not know that people had miscarriages. I just thought people had babies. I don't know. It's it's kind of silly almost, but it felt very like I something was really wrong with me. And when I started to communicate my sorrow and my pain, women came out of the woodwork. Uh, there were just so many of them in my local church that had experienced it, that they, they could relate and could encourage and comfort me. And so I think often... One of the reasons why we don't allow that openness is that we we feel shame or we feel guilt or or like we, people don't get it. And and so I hope if you're listening that you would pray and ask the Lord to give you a community um, that's filled with grace and love and that can help you through your anxiety. Um, you would be surprised by how many people are probably struggling just as you. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. You know, in order to feel connected to friends, we have to take the risk of being vulnerable. And I want to say, you know, some people might not handle your vulnerability correctly. That's okay. That's really their problem. That's not yours. And so, you know, be discerning. You have to choose the people who you could feel safe enough with to be vulnerable. But if you want deep friends, the kind of friends that are going to be in the journey with you, you do have to dare to be vulnerable. You know, I always say you have to take initiative and you have to change the narrative in your head because the narrative often says, oh, nobody's going to understand me or they're going to think I'm an idiot or they're going to think this, that, or the other thing. And, you know, the bottom line is most people aren't thinking that. And when you dare to be vulnerable, you find people that really are going to love you and journey through life with you. Yes. Amen. So, One of the things that I know also that we struggle with a lot is lament. I don't think as a culture, I think we're, okay, that language is becoming more prevalent in our Christian circles, in our Christian, lots of books are now being written about lament. So I would say that we are more familiar than we were maybe about five years ago. But what have you learned in your journey about lamenting and worship as weeping? 
it's really an important part of our worship, Trillia. You know, God invites us to worship him in spirit and truth. And I think a lot of times in Christian circles, we have worshiped him perhaps in spirit, but not so much the truth part, because somehow we have adopted this belief that we have to be all happy clappy in front of God. And nothing could be farther from the truth. If you remember, Mm. Jesus was a man of sorrows. In fact, he said, blessed are those who mourn. Mourning and lamenting is a deep, integral, important part of our faith journey. And when you read through the Psalms, it's like over 60% of them are laments. It's crying out to God. It's asking even questions like why, you know, somehow along the way I've heard in more church circles, we shouldn't ask why. And yet Jesus hanging from the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, so if Jesus can ask that, we can ask that. And I tend to believe that God wants our hearts completely honest and humble before him. Uh, Yes, he does. And he says that we get to come to a throne of grace in our time of need. I think often when we are just on our faces, we, we think we need to come only when we're happy or when we're buttoned up. But the Lord invites us to come when we need him, which is daily, all the time. And that means when we're weeping, but also when we're angry. And you've written um, about anger and suffering. What did this look like in your life, Becky? And how did you move from anger to surrender? First of all, I had to get honest about anger because honestly, I was raised in a home where anger was wrong, especially if you were a kid. It seemed like it was okay for parents to get angry, but not kids, you know? Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So kids weren't allowed to get angry. And, you know, I grew up believing this lie that God didn't ever want us to feel angry and that anger was sin and it was wrong, you know, and then I'm reading through the Psalms and I'm reading how David prays, break their teeth, oh God. And I'm thinking, okay, there's a disconnect here. Something is wrong. And as I dove deeper into scripture, I realized, you know what? God is big enough to handle my anger. I remember sitting in a therapist office, Trillia, years ago saying something insane to her, like, well, yeah, the abuse happened and it's okay. And she's like, no, it wasn't okay. And you need to get angry. And I remember thinking, I'm not angry. I'm sad about it, but I'm not angry. But I needed to get in touch with my anger. Otherwise, if you don't get in touch with your anger, it spills out in other ways. It can spill out in depression. It can spill out in you snapping at your spouse. So it's better, again, to get real about your anger and bring it to God because he can handle it. You know, I remember raising kids and, you know, when a little two-year-old is throwing a fit, you can't reason with that two-year-old. So what do you do? You pick them up and you hold them tight. And that's what God does with us in our anger. You know, he's just like, bring it, Becky, and then let's (sighs) heal it together. (laughs) Hmm. Well, I I think that's just really remarkable because I also, when you think of anger, I often think sin. And let's be honest, most of the time when we are angry, the way that we express it is likely sinful in lashing out or cussing or 
um, I don't know. I I don't know how you can be angry and not sin. Like the scriptures say, be angry, but do not sin. I find that very hard in my own heart. And so I would love when we come back to talk more about that. Like, how do you, how do you express that anger to the Lord? How do you tell him, God, I am upset and I am angry and not fall into a sinful woe is me or throwing things and <laughs> I don't know because I do believe that the psalmist modeled that and and so I want us to dive into that because I think that's going to help a lot of people be free and experience and express what they're dealing with all right more when we return with Becky Harlan Welcome back to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillian Newbell, and I'm here with Becky Harling, and we are talking about um, anger and anxiety and suffering and how to bring it all to the Lord. And the good news is for you and for me is that we can. We can bring it to the Lord. He says to come to him. He invites us to a throne of grace. And so we were just talking about anger and how your therapist help you to express anger. And this topic could probably be its own show. <laughs> so I don't, you know, I don't expect us to go crazy in depth here. But for the listener who is feeling it, they're like, yes, I, I just got this diagnosis and I'm angry. Or I just lost a relative and I am angry. How do you encourage them to take that anger to the Lord in a way that is God-honoring? Yeah. So first of all, I think when you're angry, it's a signal. It's a signal that something in your life needs attention. So if you find yourself angry, stop and ask yourself, am I angry at God for this or am I angry at injustice? You know, for example, mm. if somebody hurts one of my children, I'm going to feel angry, right? And because I'm going to be angry over an injustice that's been done to them. And so I always ask myself, you know, I'm a big fan, Trillia, of a self-management meeting, you know, where you sit yourself down and you say, okay, what's going on inside of me? You know, and yeah. you invite the Holy Spirit to search your heart and to convict you where you need conviction. Sometimes you're angry over injustices in the world, and that can motivate you actually to do something good about those injustices, you know, like sex trafficking makes me angry, right? right? And I feel like God feels angry about that too. So it can motivate me to give towards organizations that are rescuing girls from sex trafficking or little boys from sex trafficking, right? So anger can be a motivator to get us to take action about some injustice. When we're angry with the Lord, don't hide that. Go before the Lord and say, Lord, I feel angry. I feel like I have not been dealt a fair blow on this. But then turn your prayer around and say, Holy Spirit, 
bring my will into sync with God's because I'm not always going to understand God's ways. You know, if God were small enough for me to understand his ways, he wouldn't be big enough for me to trust him. So then Mm. I choose to say, Lord, I'm going to praise you that even though I don't understand your ways, what I know about you to be true is that you are good, you are loving, you are holy, and I go to that. And sometimes it takes a while, you know, sometimes I have to go back to that quite a bit. If I'm angry with another person, you know, when I realized the depth of the abuse, I remember climbing up a mountain and throwing rocks off the mountain and just verbally saying all the things I was angry over or, you know, writing a letter and saying, I'm angry because this is what this cost me, you know, so get it out. A a, a friend once told me that if you, if you let the air out of a balloon a little at a time, it's safer, but if you let it out all at once, it flies around the room and can hit people. That's what our anger can do if we don't deal with it properly. That is, um, so true, especially the balloon illustration. Um, if you let something fester, e- even something small, we've seen that happen where you blow up and and it's just, it's a wreck. It's just like a balloon falling out of control. Um, but one of the things that you said that I just, I wrote down, I loved it so much. If God was small enough to know his ways, he wouldn't be big enough for us to trust him. What a beautiful thought. Um God is big. He's mighty. He's holy. He's just. He's also our father. So we get to have an intimate relationship with him. But he is a God who's all-knowing. And so we can trust him. That, to me, is one of the reasons why I can say trust the Lord. It's not because of the words trust the Lord. It's because of who God is, which has been what you've tried to remind us is to praise him, to rem- to know the God of, of the Bible, to know who he is. Um, one of the things that you've also shared a lot of different practical tips. So you've talked about just now some of the things that you did. You threw um, a rock off. You've written letters. You talked about exercise. You talked about uh, praising him in the morning. There's uh, so many different things that we can practically do. But I remember after my second miscarriage, I would, if someone had given me the advice to exercise or to do all of those various things, I would have probably wept (laughs) because I was so weak. I was so weak and I just was so despondent and discouraged. So if they're, if someone's in that state, they aren't quite ready to take this really helpful advice and go and do what would you tell them? What is the one thing, the one thing that they can do today? I would say reach out to your closest friends and say, hey, I need prayer. I am just so weak and tired and despondent, and I need people praying for me. Yeah, I I love that, that you need help from other people. Ask someone else to pray for you and to do that kind of heavy lifting. Now, I think you already talked about this, but you were on a trip. You talk about a story of traveling overseas. It's a different one. (laughs) Oh, you have lots of travel overseas. Okay, so yes. Oh, well, I would love to hear the story of you traveling overseas when you encountered danger and how praising God helped quiet your, your fear. Yeah. So in 2014, my husband took a sabbatical and 
he was raised in Nigeria. His parents and grandparents were missionaries there, and he wanted to go back. But at the time, Boko Haram was ravishing the oh, country. Oh, wow, yeah. And I really did not want to go. And he kept begging me, like, as part of my sabbatical, I really want you to come. And I was afraid. Um, but I finally, fe I felt like the Lord wanted me to step past my fear. So I finally agreed to go with Steve. And after a very long flight, we were on the ground for maybe 45 minutes. I was asleep in the back of the van. And I just remember hearing the words, Becky, this would be a good time to pray, wake up. And I woke up and surrounding our van were teenage boys pointing AK-47s oh my. at us saying, I don't want to have to kill you. And, you know, in that moment, I began to praise God. And I can honestly say, Trillia, I had peace. I was like, okay, Lord, if you're going to call me home in a matter of moments, at least I get to see you in a couple of minutes, you know, and um, be with the kids. But then I just started praising my way through the alphabet. And what I learned through that situation is God gives you grace in the moment to face what you're going to face. He yes. doesn't necessarily give you grace in advance for what you're going to face. He calls us to trust him in the moment. Absolutely. There was something you said earlier that helped, one thing that helped you to deal with some anxiety was looking at how God had been in the past. He's always faithful. So he was faithful in the past. He would be faithful in the present. And it makes sense now <laughs> that God doesn't give grace for tomorrow. He gives grace for today. And so we can trust him for today. However, before we go, we've got to hear how you got out of that because that's a big deal. That, that's, <laughs> that, <laughs> we can't a lot end of times, there. <laughs> a lot of times I forget to finish that story, Trillia. Sorry. <laughs> Because I'm so in awe of God that he gave me peace then. After about 45 minutes of arguing, the driver was arguing with them. He finally got back in the car and he must have paid them because they let us go through. And and it was all good. So we were oh, safe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that couldn't have been a better outcome. Just right. <laughs> give some money and keep on going. Right. Well, gosh, Becky, this has been such a good um, and helpful show. And we covered a lot of ground in a very short amount of time. But if people want to find you, what's the best way for them to find you? Hey, I would love them to find me. They can visit my website at beckyharling.com. And I send out a Monday morning devotional. It lands in your inbox every Monday morning. It's just to encourage you to keep going through the week. And so I would really encourage you to sign up for the free gift that's there. Right now, the free gift on my website, I think, is prayers to calm your anxious heart, which seems appropriate. <laughs> Yes, it does. I'd like to thank my guest, Becky Harling, for joining me today. Also, thanks to the behind-the-scenes team at Moody Radio, Karen Hendren, my producer, and my engineer, Bob Miro. To hear today's program again, you'll find it at livingbyfaith.org or on the Moody Radio app. You may also connect with us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Trillia Newbell. Living by Faith is a production of Moody Radio and ministry of Moody Bible Institute. 